Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Welcome to the 72nd episode of Social Suplexes Podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Someones and I am the host of this lovely show. And joining with me as always is my cohort, my partner, Floyd Johnson Jr. How you doing, man? I am doing all right. We're good. It's been a crazy day in wrestling Twitter. You know, uh, it's just like... I feel like I sleep during the day. I, I mention that all the time. I'm an overnight shift worker. Uh, occasionally, you know, I, I'll go to sleep six or seven hours, wake up about two or three in the afternoon, and it feels like the whole world has changed. <laughs> As so, someone who's just recently uh, got a part-time job that does overnights, like, I understand. Yeah, it's just like you get on Twitter and it's like, oh, God, this happened? Oh God, Marty Jannetty killed a person. Just uh, like it's like that was yesterday, but yep. you know, we're recording on Thursday. But it's just like so much happens, and it's just like people get so angry. And I, I feel like that's just every day is just a new day for <laughs> wrestling Twitter to just go crazy. Yes, I talked to my friend Jason, and he is a very casual wrestling fan. The only time he talks about wrestling is with me, and I say, you know what? I keep forgetting. There's a large part of the fan base that wrestling is just a TV show that they like, that they watch wrestling, and then they never talk about it after it's over. Mm-hmm. They don't <laughs> go to Twitter. They don't. And the other <laughs> thing too is like I, I always I always go back to this too because it's a thought that I always have about wrestling because you always remember that moment where like as a wrestling fan you start to become aware of like booking and behind the scenes stuff and just. Like, just how the sausage gets made. And you always wonder, like, how it would feel to just go back to that time where you just watched it because it was fun to watch. Um, not even, like, that you knew that it was fake, but, like, you just didn't pay attention to the to the inner workings of the product. 
Um, cause I remember when I watched it, when it was fake and I, that lasted like a couple weeks. Cause then I quickly found out, Oh, this isn't real. Um, but I always wonder like how it would feel just to go back where I wasn't looking up like Meltzer star ratings or like seeing what Twitter's freaking out about or anything like that. Cause it seems like so much more relaxed. It seems like so, but it's like, it's so integrated in my mind about pro wrestling that it's almost impossible to go back to that. Yeah. It's, um, like with me and my family was an open secret, you know, they let me believe it's real, but everyone knew it wasn't. And then as I got older and came to the conclusion, they just started talking about it. There was never this wrestling is fake moment or wrestling is scripted moment. Not it like was, a Santa Claus thing. Yeah, like Santa Claus thing. They just let me come to my own conclusion. Like my dad told me Santa Claus wasn't real at like six. He's like, Santa Claus didn't work all these hours to buy you these yeah. gifts. I did that. <laughs> he was real. He wanted his credit. Of so, course. yeah, no, but... um. But wrestling was one of those things. That, and I thank my parents. They let me come to my conclusions and that of its own. It's like it was an open secret. They would never tell you it was re- real, but they would never tell you it was fake either. They just kind of like, mm-hmm, yep, Hulk Hogan can beat that guy or whatever. And and it's just like they just went along with it until I came to my own conclusions. And then I, you know, honestly from like 13 to 30, I just, you know, just watched wrestling, had my own thought process, and all that stuff. Then I started joining wrestling groups online and all that kind of stuff. And then I heard of this guy named Dave Meltzer. And I tell people that all the time. Dave Meltzer has only been, people like, man, I've been following Meltzer since the early 90s. In 2015, I found out who Dave Meltzer was. Didn't know, didn't know who he was. Didn't know why his opinion mattered more than anyone else's opinion. <laughs> I, I, I just was like, oh, and that's when I discovered indies and all this stuff. Like, New Japan was his name that I heard people say that they wrestled in. You know, it was like, that was the company in Japan. All Japan, New Japan. I knew the names. I knew wrestlers that came from there. But I never watched a match and stuff. I was a WWE guy. I was a WWE and WCW guy. Then I was just a WWE guy. Then I was a WWE and Impact guy. I only watched American wrestling. Yeah. So, I'm about five years into actually knowing Japanese wrestling exist and watch it and knowing who Dave Meltzer is. That's what I always tell people. It's like, I'm an old wrestling fan, but I was WWE only for the longest time. Dude, the first time, and this is the first time I think I've ever said this on air, uh, the first time I found out about New Japan and Ring of Honor was CM Punk's Pipe Bomb in Vegas. When he was like, hey, who knows, maybe I'll go back to New Japan Pro Wrestling, maybe well, maybe I'll go compete in New Japan Pro Wrestling, maybe I'll go back to Ring of Honor. And then he just says hi to Cole Cabana. And that was the first time I ever heard of those other promotions, and then I was like, oh my god, another promotion got named. Because I knew there were other ones that existed, um, but I was like, I've never heard these mentioned before. Like, what the hell is going on? So, yeah, it's just it's a weird concept. But I think everyone should think about like that time when they didn't like think about it so much and realize you probably were less angry back then about wrestling than you are now. So maybe just step back just a little bit, even though I understand the anger a lot. Sometimes Uh, I always tell people that I, I am excitable person. 
and at times you can mistake my excitement for anger, but I I don't I don't really get angry. If you you've been around me, mm-hmm. not really a default for me. I don't get angry. I get I get excited. I get happy. It's just like you have to like hurt someone I love to get angry. I'm not gonna get angry about the fantasy world of professional wrestling, which I love <laughs> with all of my heart but there's no one that's gonna get me angry about it you know when people i feel people getting actually angry i'm just like okay let me bow out the conversation because i can do this i can talk and yell and we can go have dinner after and not never talk about wrestling again i'd be fine some people aren't capable of that and it's it's fine i'm not better before better because of it it's just i grew up with a lot of yelling so it's just Yelling is a love language, uh, but I. But to my point is that it's just I. I tell people if you get really upset and angry about something, you know, kind of check it. You know, in yeah. the end, it's it's in the end, it's just it's fun. It's something you're supposed to love, and I don't understand something that you love and like, and it's literally there for entertainment value, getting you actually angry. I'm glaring at the Star Wars fans right now, just so you know. No, and you know that's something I didn't know existed until like this year. Seriously? And it, and let me t- no, no, like I I love TV, right? But unlike wrestling, it has never crossed my mind to get online and bitch about something that happens in TV or a movie. Like I I know Kevin Smith talked about it in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. I I do. I knew that was a very big part of it. It never crossed my mind to do it. And mm-hmm. then I realized there are people that are just as passionate about TV shows and movies that I am about wrestling and that they do that. And it blew my mind because I'm big on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Love Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like one of my favorite shows ever because I love shows that continue storylines in different formats. And then I found out there is a large anytime Agents of Shield does anything, anytime they go to the left or right, just like with wrestling fans, people get very angry with decisions they make and they get online and bitch about it. I did not yeah. know that was a thing. <laughs> I, and it was just like, oh, and it, it, it and I will honestly tell people I get tunnel vision, like really bad. Like, the stuff I care about and focus on, that's what everybody cares about and focus on. And getting into wrestling as community and making more different, more friends and the different types of friends has really opened my mind to how other people think. And that's why I will challenge a lot of people's thoughts online and on Twitter just so I can better understand how they think that way or why they think that way. Yeah, I totally get that. But anyways... With that opening conversation, I like our I like the one thing I really like about this podcast too is how we have little opening conversations before we get into the nitty gritty of the show. I always like that and how it's always different no matter what. But with that opening conversation out of the way, I want to thank you guys for joining us on All Things Elite. We've got a lot to talk about. Obviously, the Dynamite Deadly Draw tournament started off, and we have AEW Dynamite, and we're heading in closer and closer to All Out. So we got a lot to talk about. But first. I want to let you know that support for All Things Elite is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools 
for your grooming experience. And if you if you use the code SUPLEX, you get 20% off and free shipping. Not just one or the other. You get both combined into one. Floyd has used their products over time, and he has very much been enjoying them. Yes, yes, I have. And I've focused a lot on the ball deodorant. So I imagine people that listen to this show must think Floyd has really musty balls. I do not. I do not. That was just a product that I didn't know existed. So when I used it, it kind of changed my life. But let me tell you about the Clippers, the the 3.0, the Lawnmower 3.0. It is for a person that has a hair issue down there. It is the best way to take care of that hair issue without having any nicks or cuts. Now, there was quite confusion when I say I use it on my face. I do not have a hair issue down there, so I have not used it down there because I don't need it to. I know that's weird, way too much information, but that's true. So, I use it to line up my beard. It has never been down there, just on my face. Just, just, just in case anybody... Got confused by that situation. <laughs> and I use it to line my beard. And it works really good that way. So it is a multi-use tool. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with cross-contamination. Hey, that's your business. I don't need to know. <laughs> I don't need to know. But it will keep you clean down there. The, the a crop, uh, crop preserver will keep you fresh and smelling good. And like I said, you'll be strutting around. You look like Ric Flair when he was in his mid-40s. That's how you'd be strutting. You know, so definitely go to manscaped.com, use the code SUPLEX, get 20% off and free shipping. And it'll help us out. It'll help you out. Let's go. Yep. Thank you so much to Manscaped for sponsoring the show. And also make sure you are downloading this fun show on Google or Apple Podcasts. And be sure to listen to it on Spotify as well. Leave a rating and a review. And if you are so inclined to, you can also leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. And you can support us by following us on social media. At ATLE Pod, at Social Suplex, at SZoomer4, and at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. Now, big news of the week is that with everything going on in the world of sports, AEW has had some schedule changes that they have announced for the month of August. I assume, Floyd, that you have those written down. That you have those available for you? Uh, give not, me just a second. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I will buy you some time. Anyways, <laughs> if you haven't noticed, the NBA is back, which for me is very exciting. I have found other teams that I have been checking out a lot more than usual because my Detroit Pistons suck balls, and they are not competing in this bubble. Um, but, like, for example, I mean, Devin Booker, holy hell. Like, the Suns have gone 4-0. and since they've gotten into the bubble, which is insane. That buzzer beater that Booker shot against the Clippers, huge upset win. I mean, just the battle for L.A. itself was huge. And there's just a lot. I want, like, here's the thing. I'm, I want to see, like, this is a personal thing. I want to see Damian Lillard get a ring. He is so freaking good. And just the fact that he hasn't won a ring with Portland is one of those things that I want to see as a sports fan. So I'm... I'm pulling for the city of Portland, I'm pulling for the Trailblazers, and I'm pulling for Damian Lillard. So that's that's my vote of confidence. I don't know if it'll be good or bad or if I'll jinx it. I don't know. But I'm rooting for Damian Lillard and them, and I'm sorry if I've disappointed you with 
who I'm cheering for. But Floyd! Uh, yes, I am pulling really... for Damian Lillard to join the Lakers and win the title. Stop! Uh, 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 but Because I am a LeBron James fan. I have found it easier when it comes to basketball because people switch teams so much and no one's loyal to just root for players. So I root for LeBron James. We don't and, need another guy. We we just got out of the era of the super teams. Now everything is in Noah's Ark pairs right now in this season. We got out of the super teams. I don't need another goddamn super team, and it doesn't need to be the Lakers who don't know they, what hardship. I, I, would you is call them? Song. Would you call them a super team when it's just LeBron and Anthony Davis? I think you gotta no, have. I no, I don't I, think it is a super. No, I just think I don't think that is. But if you add Damian Lillard into it, that's when it becomes a super team. Yeah, yeah, it'd be super good and super championships. LeBron got. No. LeBron got to get to like. Five. I don't think he'll ever get to six. Come to, get to five. We have, come to Detroit. We have three championships. We need very much more of those. Uh, Yeah, I don't even know who plays for Detroit. Blake Griffin? Does he play for one? Blake, Blake Griffin does, yes. Uh, Oklahoma Derek, Derek freaking Rose? Yeah, Derek freaking Rose. I, yeah, I had no clue. Uh, So, the a- AEW... He's dead lying on a stretcher, but he plays for us. Same for Blake Griffin. They're both dead, but, you know, they're here. Yes. They're here. The best thing Detroit ever did for... Uh, Oklahoma City was taking that Reggie Jackson guy away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's gone now. He plays for uh, he plays for uh, the Clippers. Yeah, that stinks. But I'm glad he doesn't play for Oklahoma anymore. Um, <laughs> yeah, AEW will make the following shifts on TNT. Uh, the uh, Wednesday, August nineteenth episode will uh, will air on Saturday, August twenty second at six p.m. Eastern. So, about one hour of AEW Dynamite that week will be going up against NXT TakeOver 30. Yeah! Yeah, so that should be fun uh, Saturday night. Uh, then we got on Wednesday, August 22nd, 26th episode will then just be moved one day to Thursday, August 27th. I wonder if NXT will figure out a way to move shift theirs. And then Wednesday, September 16th episode will air Thursday, September 17th uh, at that same uh, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central Time. Now, yes, so my whole thought process is I would love to, I'm, I'm very interested in how AEW, if they let it happen, how AEW and NXT do against not competing against each other. Like, yeah, honestly. Yeah, it's like, because I've always felt what AEW would be easily over a million if they didn't have 10 XT's competition. Um, but maybe NXT would be over a million if they didn't have AEW's competition. So I am very interested to see. I am one person that watches both religiously. So uh, I look forward to them being on different nights if it is allowed to happen. This is pending. WWE seems to have emergencies that have to move their TV to the exact same time as uh, NXT is the exact same time as Dynamite. So maybe that's what happens. I don't really like the whole Dynamite going up against uh, NXT TakeOver. I feel like that was kind of a... That was on purpose. Maybe. Maybe maybe I'm wrong. But hey, counter-programming is counter-programming. Let's see what goes down. Yeah, and one other thing we got to talk about as well is the Dynamite Deadly Draw. We had two matches 
in the in the giant tournament that's happening. Um, one of which featured former NXT women's wrestler Tay Conti, uh, which I found when I saw that was announced, I was actually very surprised because I legitimately thought she was still signed by NXT. So when I saw her, I was like, "Wait, really?" Because I remember seeing her in the giant group of NXT women at WrestleMania 34 in that women's battle royal. So to see yeah. her now wrestling for AEW is pretty crazy. Not you to know mention, what I that means, right? You just outed what yourself, does it mean? right? That you weren't listening to all things elite uh, religiously before you started doing the show. That's true. Because That's true. we actually choose on our list of people where we were saying, do we want them in AEW or not? And she was someone we wanted in AEW. So that's good. Yeah, it's very good. Not to mention, honestly, just this is just personal preference. She's so beautiful. It's like, oh my God. It's, I just, I got to hold myself back. Okay, let's talk about the matchups for uh this the first edition of the dynamite deadly draw we had the nightmare sisters teaming up to face penelope ford and mel uh honestly i will say this personally like i i really enjoy the nightmare sisters i do i think like we said before the fact that they're randomly selected teams the fact that the nightmare sisters got paired together is kind of like you're stretching logic very hard there and not the rapper but you're stretch you're stretching logic very very hard right now and it's gonna break eventually if you continue to go that far but anyways did you like how i mean i like how they explained it yeah i, I might have missed it because i was Cause, I yeah was no like, no uh brandy and Allie were p- picking brandy was complaining about them not being tag team partners brandy picks red right and dash is the only one there if you notice dash has been the only one there dash is interviewing brandy Allie looks in the thing and picks the red chip out ah okay all right so i was like i must have fast forward through that it, it, it's like at least they explain they made an attempt to explain it the super titus no it was just like i'd rather them say they got the tk and got an exception because they have been tagging together and none of the other teams had been you know tagging together but you know if you're dealing with Allie being duplicitous this actually drives home that character it does work better for the character and honestly if they just gave them an, an exception it would just seem like that sounds kind of bullshit isn't that kind of bullshit just because she's chi- uh, chief brandy officer sounds kind of bullshit but either way um i thought this match was pretty solid i just i really i'm just excited more so to see the more teams that actually don't normally team together which is why i was excited to see the second match a little bit more than the Nightmare Sisters one because these were wrestlers that haven't teamed before and I was more so intrigued to see how they worked as tag teams. So, but overall, I thought both I thought both matches honestly on this uh, were were pretty dang solid and the the whole tournament looks promising to me. I'm going to give you a controversial take that people will probably stab me for. Or oh my God, Floyd's being controversial. Yeah, yeah I'm going to be controversial. I don't think either one of these matches will, would be what I call TV ready, like national TV ready. I mean, that's why they're on YouTube. I, I think the YouTube space is perfect for that because, I mean, they were good for YouTube. That's that's the whole thing I went into with it. The fact yeah, that they put this on YouTube instead of it just being uh, put on top of Dynamite. But again, that's what I thought of it going into it. You you're going to build chemistry. You're going to get better as each week goes on. 
and each week will get better. And then maybe the finals could be on TV. I don't know how they're going to do that. But I just it'll be a pay-per-view. Or maybe it'll be on pay-per-view. But I was just saying, if you're just saying, Floyd, what is your exact thought on this? I didn't feel like, like, Ariana, Ariana Andrews, which I pointed out last week, she was just there to take a pin, right? Remember? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Calm down, everyone that got mad that she got signed. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> she didn't. She was there to take a pin. Uh, I thought she looked like someone that had gotten better, but hadn't wrestled against anyone in front of cameras in a while. And, yeah. Yeah. And then... Um, I, you know, and that's fine. I just don't. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And I look, and it looked like Taya, Taya, uh, Connie, and uh, yeah, Anna. Yeah, Tang, Tay and J, or Tay J, as they're calling themselves. Yeah, it looked like that was their first ten time tagging up with each other, which is yeah. what it's supposed to look like. And then in the other match, Nightmare Sisters definitely looked more crisp. Then the other team, because they've been tagging with each other for like six weeks. And then Mel and Penelope Ford looked like they hadn't tagged together in a while. It was like, it, it all fit into the story. But if you're not familiar with how they've been building, which most of this has been built on Dark, you probably don't want to put this on your national TV product. Yeah. It's the thought process. I mean, yeah. people can agree, disagree. I would love, if you disagree, and you know how to disagree and you know you know put it in words without calling me names hit us up on all things elite twitter now if you want to call me names you can hit me up directly at floyd johnson jr i have very very thick skin so you can call me what you want directly i'd just rather that not be on the show page yep there you go yep and honestly i i do think that like for youtube it's fine and I do think it's good that they kind of just soft it, soft opened it on YouTube, just because, like I said, the whole idea that these teams have most of these teams have not teamed before. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how they go over time. That's the thing I'm looking more so. I'm looking more so toward the future of this tournament, and I think as time, like you said, as time goes on, the chemistry will get better and the matches will get better. I feel like, but yeah. Tay, Tay, and Tay and Jay got got over, and the Nightmare Sisters went over. So those were your two victors for the first night. Yeah, and now, they didn't announce really any. I don't even think we know who the teams are for don't, next week. We don't. Yeah, so it's like, and it wasn't. I mean, spoiler, it wasn't on Dynamite or Dark. So we're literally gonna find out next week, right before the match, apparently, or they're gonna announce it like Sunday or something. Yeah, put it on Twitter or something, but. Now let's get into this week's episode of AEW Dynamite. We opened up just straight up with the 12-man mega tag match between the Elite and FTR versus the Dark Order. I thought this match was pretty good. I This is personal with me. I, like, I don't like mega, mega like multi-man matches and tag matches. With the Elite, I give it a little bit of a pass because they know how to create good spots out of these. But I thought this was a decent opener. It wasn't like the way to come out the gate like they normally do, but it was a it was a pretty decent opener, and it was solid enough to the point where I was like, that was good. I wasn't anything that I'd write home about, but it was good. 
I I more so got excited every time FTR got in the ring because I've just been loving watching them just just go and just do such great tandem offense. And yeah, I mean there was a you had Colt Cabana who was like I love the points to where like the Dark Order would beat up on the Elite and team up on them, and Colt be like, "What are you guys doing?" There was a point where uh, Dax got injured and like to- like strained his leg, and there was a point where they were taking him to the back, and Cash was taking him back. But there was a point too where Hangman went to the back with FTR, which left the Elite outnumbered. And it's like, I, I don't know if you noticed this, but I noticed it because I'm all about paying attention to the commentary. It seemed like they had Tony overdub some lines in post that were put into the commentary because you could tell his audio was different at multiple points in the show. And it was something that the commentators did not point out happening like well enough. And I was like, Come on, guys. Like, that's a big moment in that match. And it took... You had to do it in post because it was a taped episode. I was like, you got Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, and Taz there, and nobody figured to, like, call that spot out? Well, I was like... Well, the big thing is, and I have to have to say this, Excalibur's the play-by-play guy. I know, I know. And uh, he's also, the one that calls the spots. And Tony... Kind of just Jr. is color, and Tony just kind of yells random thoughts at times. That's kind of the roles, and they're very good. Which at is those crazy, roles. which is crazy though, because mm. like, sorry to cut off, but cut you off, but like Jr. was the play-by-play guy for the longest time. So you would think that a spot like that, he would, he would know to call something like that. And if, if you go by the internet rumors, which I try not to, I just, but it seems. It seems like Excalibur kind of pulled himself out of the show kind of last minute. So they all had to adjust on the fly. And since they recorded all right. this all in one day, right? They they literally just didn't seem to have any chemistry with each other. And they fixed what they couldn't post because that was a big... Because you know they do listen to their fans. And if you saw online last week, that was a big complaint. Is how off the commentary sounded. So they probably just said, hey, well, that was bad. Let's try to fix it if we can. Yeah, honestly. And I'm glad that they're listening to that. But, like, it definitely, you, you, like, people who you were like, really. Yeah. You oh, noticed. hardcore. Yeah. Hardcore. Like, like, I don't even pay that... attention. And I noticed. They yeah, like, but, that's but a different like, Tony there. <laughs> oh, yeah, and he's there multiple times in the show. But, like. It always makes me go back to like when the commentary teams were announced and Excalibur was one of the members. And now it's like he is the like he carries so much of the weight for the commentary team and just calls every spot with such accuracy that it's like I truly hope that he'll be back soon. I really do, because I think it just he makes the team like just flow better he gives the com the like he gives guys like he gives JR and Tony so much more that they can bounce off of and go off of that as like I really hope by next week he's back. Yeah, I mean he's elite. He's really good at his job. I mean, no pun intended, but it's really good at his job. It's like that that's why he's the only mass commentator in wrestling. Because he's so good that you just don't go find someone else that can do what Excalibur does. 
And overall, like I said, the match was solid and the finish was really well. I loved how the Dark Order grabbed every single member of the Elite and Hangman was just by himself and took the pin from Mr. Brody Lee and just like continued the whole story of like, Hangman, your friends aren't here when you need him. So Yeah, I didn't even get to talk about the actual match. Uh, The match was explosive. I thought it went into the line of positive first matches in Dynamite history. I I agree. I think it set the tone of the show, and I, you know, and it's funny because I keep pointing it out. Whenever you don't, whenever you like, you're online and you're watching people tweet. Again, I know that's not all the people watching the show, as I pointed out earlier, but it's always a consensus when the first match hits like really well. It's usually a positive feel for the whole show. When the first match doesn't hit, it's usually a negative appeal for the first show. That first match on Dynamite has probably more pressure on it than the main event. Yeah, honestly. It's just such a huge moment, especially because Tony Khan and so many people from AEW have talked about the importance of that first match. That They need to make sure that that match hits. You, and, you know what's really funny about that? I mean, For the longtime listeners of the show, I actually pointed that out. Like before Tony ever even said anything, sure. it, was, it was like you could just feel it. You could just feel it when it was like Nick and Ray Phoenix. It was just like you could point to down points in the show, but you had such more of a positive feeling when that first match is really good. Totally, totally. After this match, we saw footage from earlier in the day of best friends arriving. With Trent's mom driving them to the driving them to the Daly's place in her van, which would come into play. Uh, later yeah, I was gonna say everyone knew that. He's like, "Oh, they yep. showed him riding in the van. Who's yep. gonna mess with Sue's van?" No, oh, we'll, we'll get to that. Next up was Santana and Ortiz versus Best Friends. It was weird because like this was the first like time in I want to say a couple weeks that we've just had like a str- like two straight tag teams like just. Two of the AEW's like base, like solid tag teams going at it. Um, at least that I can remember. And like they're both two of AEW's best tag teams, and they did a good match. I really liked the spot where um oh god, I'm I I love the spot. Um, like just like overall, just the power that Santana and Ortiz were hitting. Like there was a point where Ortiz nailed a power bomb on Trent. And then just Santana just nails him with a kick to the face. And they just they went really vicious on this matchup. But overall, ended up with Santana Ornitiz going for the street sweeper. But Chuck was able to knock Santana off the top rope. Trent rolls up, rolls through, and scores the pin on Ortiz. And Best Friends got the victory. Yeah, I like how Best Friends are like getting some good wins under their belt. Oh my god, and I love how they set us up. They did. They was like, uh, and it was like, uh, Santana Ortiz have won three matches in a row. This is a must win. They're trying to get back in the top five. They had been consistently in the top five for the long time. And they just built up how important this match was. So I came in the match thinking there's no way Santana and Ortiz is losing in this match. And they pulled the rug out from under me. And I was like, they're going to mess up their car. 
they're gonna mess up her car. Oh, no. I just like in like in my soul it was just like, Oh, that's what's about to happen. I and... saw I well we'll talk about it now because of the match it's like it ties in. Yeah, coming directly into the match, yeah. Yeah, but oh that's just fucking that's like I saw that and I was like that is the most heinous thing I've ever seen. Like, oh my god, that's such good heel heat. And I was like, What did she do to you? Like, what the hell? She's just trying to support her kids. I literally got on my Twitter and said, too far. Yeah, too seriously. Too far. I was like, there is heel work, and then there was this. And because I yelled too far, I said, this is genius. It's that means so that, good. That means it's well, so good. Like, that's the thing. Everyone, like, they, like, people love Trent's mom in... Uh, when they made their entrance, and it was no- I, nobody could stop talking about it, and then just to go come in the next time she shows up, and it just wrecked the van. Everyone's just like, "No, dude!" God, and, and everybody, everybody puts themselves. I think everybody that like that's the older transferred themselves back to the time when they were eighteen. And they borrowed their parents' car, 17 or whatever, borrowed their parents' car, and something happened to it. You know? That's like a, that's like a plot line <laughs> in almost every family TV sitcom. Yes, and it's like something happened to it. Most of the time in real life, it's like a little scratch or a dent, but, you know, dude. It's treated like the end of the world. Yeah, but yeah, uh... Yeah, they this busted out our windows. Yeah, and then spray-painted Sue and X'd out her name across the front. So this shit was personal. <laughs> this was not like, oh, this oh, this kind of accidentally happened. It's like these two dicks that we wrestled <laughs> destroyed your car because we won. Yeah, just like Santa, <laughs> like, just like, like they're dogs. They're just dog Santa and Ortiz. Like, oh my God. It was and it's such, like, a, it, it like, such a good moment. It automatically made it a heated rivalry. It did. Yeah, it's like, dude, you like a match that really had no heat going onto it is like the hottest tag team rivalry now. No, seriously. <laughs> and like the way that Trent's reaction was too is like, just legitimately is like Trent's like, you do not touch my mom's van, and he said when we beat you again, you're gonna apologize to my mom over speakerphone. So now there's real stakes to it. Because imagine just the the footage of like Santana and Ortiz like with Sue, who I'd imagine would like like just like just be yelling so loud, and they just gotta be like, "We're sorry." So it's I like this was one of my favorite moments in the entire show. Yeah, it was it was one of those things where, you know, you know, I've asked the question. I have asked the question many times. How do you build build hills now when anytime you do anything bad or say anything bad, people have, you know, people have this tendency to just say, I'm not going to watch your show anymore instead of, you know, the right kind of heat. AEW is really good at the right kind of heat. Yeah. No, yeah. And that this is their one of their best examples with it, too, honestly. Yeah. Like, I want, I want uh, pride and powerful i want santana ortiz to get their ass beat for messing with sue's car that yeah. is why i'm watching next week i don't <laughs> exactly that's all you need we then had a small appearance at mjf campaign headquarters and he gave a little behind the scenes of 
the magic happening, which looked more like a sweatshop, honestly, <laughs> just with the way that people were so not happy to be there. Um, he he talked about how the campaign's not over until John Moxley's AEW World Title is around his waist at All Out, and I the best part um, was when he had everybody there just say his catchphrase for the for the for the campaign, and just everyone said it with the enthusiasm of like a, a cast member at Disneyland who does not want to be there anymore. He said it with that much, and they said it all with that much enthusiasm, and it was. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Let me tell you, personal story, what it reminded me of. I went to a store this morning to rename to uh, remain nameless because I don't want to bury the store, but it's where the AEW figures are supposed to be. Uh, and I've been to that <laughs> store every day this week. Every day, I see the same woman there taking stuff out the box. And so today, the fourth day that I've been there in a row. I decided, you know what? I'm just going to ask her so I can stop coming up here. And I was like, hey, do you know when the AEW figures get in? Again, I've been there four days in a row. And I've seen her four days in a row. I can, I know she's seen me these four days in a row. Because, like, I'm there at 7 o'clock in the morning when they, directly when they <laughs> open. And uh, she's like, I have no idea. That was it. She didn't call anyone. She didn't. She didn't. She didn't call anyone. She didn't write it down. She did nothing, and it was like that moment. She she gave me the most I D don't give a fuck answer ever. I'm oh, like, man. yeah. She no sold me all the way. She's yeah. like, I, she gave me I don't know. Boom, done. Right back to what she was doing. Go away. Is get it- away from me. <laughs> Honestly, if it wasn't if it wasn't for the fact that those figures and like all that stuff is being sold at because I know what store you're talking about. If it wasn't for the fact that that their sell those figures are being sold at that store specifically, I would never shop there. It's I, just I the would, worst. I wouldn't have went back. I literally like I went back and I saw her name and I was like, you know what? I'm I'm not that person. <laughs> I, I was like, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I don't want to ever cost anyone their job. It is uh, it is one of my like biggest fears is that I get someone fired. But it was like that moment because it was like she so didn't care that I was there at all. It, 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 the inner Karen in me came out for a second, and I had to, yeah. I had to, I had to quelch it. And it's like, you get down, Karen, down. get down. And then I went back, and I just left, and I'll just keep going back up there. And I know never to ask her for help again because she, has, she has no interest in helping. Yeah, listen. If you have an inner Karen, everybody at home, if you have an inner Karen in you, you keep that shit put down. We don't need to see that. We don't need to see it. Yeah, because it would have been the stupidest thing to raise us think about. Sure. I'm a 40-year-old man going to buy toys at 7 o'clock in the morning. Uh, So, no, no. Uh, You probably don't want to. No need to complain that the lady didn't look up when my toys were coming in. So, yeah. It was, but I had to. But I had that moment. Was I walk away? I walked away. I stopped, and I was like, "Floyd, be serious." And then I was able to squash it. There you go. We then had a promo from one Matthew Hardy, who, fun fact, is on a five-match winning streak. He cut a promo talking about how 
when he came to AEW, he wanted to go somewhere where he felt respected. He wanted to wrestle somewhere where he could say he had a say in his in the direction of where his career was going to go and be an attraction and help introduce the multiverse of Matt Hardy to AEW and also in, introduce new superstars and new wrestlers. I say superstars like it's like, yeah, I just realized what I did there. Introduce new wrestlers and such to the audience. Talks about how two guys in particular who remind himself of him and his brother are a private party. He also says another person he tried to help out was Sammy Guevara. Didn't want to accept his help. Told him he needed to get away from Chris Jericho, but he didn't take his advice. So now he has no desire to help him. He desires to hurt him. Then Matt Har- Sammy Guevara slides behind Matt Hardy. And Matt just goes, Sammy, I knew you'd come. Then they start swinging at each other. They start brawling. There's a point where Matt body slams Sammy on the on the ring announcer table, and then there's a point where Sammy takes a chair and just tosses it at Matt's face, and it's like legs first. It looked like, and by that point, Matt's head completely busted open, blood's dripping on him, and he's lying on a table. Sammy does a front like a 450 off of the ramp through the table, and Matt just looks crimson mask all over, and he's just completely bloodied. And yeah, so it was, and right, and that was the thing. After that happened, that inner circle moment, we then had the moment where Santana and Ortiz destroy Sue's minivan. So back to back, we had vicious attacks from inner circle moments, which I thought, like, I, I didn't even realize until looking over the notes. But good, good, good idea. Good idea there. But yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you think of this segment? Okay. So first of all, I don't like, I'm not super like, like telling people like anything they don't know. But if you noticed how many times do you get uh, a character coming out and basically saying, hey, my character didn't work. Because that's effectively what he said. I came here, I was going to show you the multiverse, show you the multiple characters, we listened to our fans, and basically you didn't want it. Dude, how powerful is that? When is the last time Seriously. Like a wrestling company just said, a character comes out and just say, you didn't like my character, so that character's going away, I'm going to focus on this more straightforward Matt Hardy character going forward. Now, Broken Matt may come when fans are there because I think it's a more fan interactive gimmick. So, he could come back when fans are there. But he literally said, hey, this it's, it didn't work, so we're pulling it. It's almost like they did with the Nightmare Collective. They just wrote it off one day. You know? So, they wrote it off. And then his feud with Sammy Kavar, uh continued. And then Sammy threw a chair at his face. Uh, and apparently he threw it with a little too much force because Matt, I found out today, Matt had to have 10 stitches from all the blood that was out there. I yeah. figured they would have fixed that in edit. I figured they could have blurred it out a little bit because that was a lot of blood. A lot of blood. It was a big gash. Yeah, it was a big gash. It fixed it. I was like, I figured they could have just like, you know, censored it a little bit. I don't know. That was nasty. I, I was concerned for Matt's health. Like, 
on Twitter. I was like, dude, I hope he's okay. This is not me playing along with the kayfabe that I usually do. Is that is that dude okay? <laughs> so, hey, so yeah, that was nasty, and it got over the feud with Matt and Sammy. So I'm looking forward to them wrestling against each other. Uh, Sammy Guevara's the future of the company. He's young and apparently made another mistake. Um, and then Sue's car. But yeah, I thought this was really good. I'm looking forward to it. They are doing a good job of keeping the inner circle relevant because I thought they would have a hard time staying relevant after Jericho lost the title. But it seems like they figure out different ways to keep them relevant every week. All five members of the inner, five members of the inner circle are you know are in some kind of battle except for Jake Hager, which he's in whatever battle battle Chris Jericho's in because he's just Chris Jericho's heavy. Yeah, we then had the debut of Matt Cardona in an AEW ring. He teamed with the American Nightmare Cody, the TNT champion, to face John Silver and Alex Reynolds of the Dar- of the Dark Order. I almost said it like in an accent. This is your boy. This is your boy Cody, but it's also Matt Cordona. So I'm I want you to open up your thoughts on this match because I'm very interested to hear uh, what you thought specifically of this match, and then just like what you'd like to see out of Matt Cordona in AEW. Okay, two things. First of all, this match went on way too long. <laughs> I, I mean, Cody is the TNT champion. I literally saw John Silver and Alex Reynolds lose by by themselves to John Moxley. I was in what, Dallas, and he beat them both in like a minute and a half. Yeah, I was gonna say. So the fact the fact that these I like I get it. Like you want to like have a like you want to give everybody a good showing, but like. With a debuting with a debuting Matt Cordona and a, and the TNT champion in Cody, it's like doesn't need to be this long. Second of all, Cody sold. I love John Silver. I almost changed my Twitter name Twitter name to John Silver Stan account uh, <laughs> because he has won me over on BTE. That dude has amazing comedic timing, and uh, I just think he's great. And I thought he kicked ass in this match. How he sold, how he wrestled. I thought he was great. I thought him and Reynolds did great. I honestly, if they had been positioned as tougher over the last few months, I probably wouldn't have had the mat. This match, at, uh, I wouldn't have been angry that this match was as long as it was, right? Because you know, they would have been positioned as a team that wins sometimes. But I don't think they have a win. <laughs> at all? I'd have to check. Yeah, I know. I like I don't really think they have a win as a tag team. So it's like okay, so Cody sells and then Zach it's all building the Zack Ryder, hitting the hot tag, and then hitting the radio silence, which is his uh jumping leg lariat. Now, I will say this. I am all for so you got this new opportunity to reintroduce yourself. Mr. Matt Cardona. Zack Ryder's dead. Matt Cardona is awesome. I and I know hindsight's 2020. I would have busted out at least three different moves. Gotcha. I would have just to say this is not the same guy. He largely came out and put on an extended version of his WWE program. 
and then did his WWE finisher. Now, that's just, like I said, that's just how I saw it. And I love that Cody and him got together, but I just, like I said, it was just like, it's exactly what I didn't want. I felt like Cody kind of reinvented himself after he left WWE. And I'm not saying, oh, come out here and be a completely different guy, because you can't, you know. But you could have added two or three moves, maybe changed your finisher to say. I would say I do like that finisher, though. I do. I, I, I dig it. But it has stink on it. But doesn't the crossroads have stink on it, though? Because that was his <laughs> WWE finisher. That That's Cody's. True. But look. But look what he's done. He's done the triple crossroads. How often does he finish the match with just the crossroads? All right, I guess. Yeah, he's he doesn't do that move. And, and I, I'm not saying... I'm not saying he didn't have any stink, you know, stink on it. But his whole presentation of... Cody changed. Do you know what I mean? He came out. He was Stardust when he left WWE. Then he was the American Nightmare. You know what I mean? And it's just like there was some there were subtle changes to how he worked. I think Zach or Matt, I I would have changed a little bit more just so people don't think of you as the guy that just lost and left from WWE. That's all I'm saying. I do like what he said after on Twitter that he hadn't had a match he cared about in over a year. I thought that was strong. And like, these are like, this is me nitpicking as in, you know, you you can, I could just say, oh, it was cool, but that's not really why you turn on a podcast. So I'm going to nitpick a little bit. That's yeah. what I would have done differently. I, I, I love Matt Cordona. I mean, I hope y'all heard every last week when I was, doting on him i love him but i'm just saying for those people those distract detractors i would have changed just tweaked a few moves you know threw some stuff in there that you hadn't seen him do before just to show you that it's a new guy yeah sure other than like i said other than it being a little too long i thought this match was fine what i was very excited about was what we saw after the match when in the tunnel scorpio sky comes out and Makes it very clear he wants a t- TNT title shot. And hell yes. We've been seeing Scorpio Sky doing a lot of single stuff on a- on-, on Dark. And we've seen what he can do as a singles com- opponent in against Jericho. And I freaking love Scorpio. So honestly, dude, like, yeah. let's go. So I, I was I'm, talking I'm to the boy Rich Ladder a few weeks ago. And I said, I think Scorpio's the guy. I think Scorpio should be the guy that beat Cody. I, I agree. I, I've been very open about that. I'm like, I, I, I had this whole thought of him using the whole Rocky thing, the Rocky three thing, where he's kind of clubber lane, because a lot of people will say Cody has kind of gotten like. Yeah, it's literally the opening with yeah. Eye of the Tiger. I'm so glad you mentioned Rocky yeah. too, because it's literally yeah. like if they did a thing where like they showed like. Like all of Cody's taunting moments where he's like having a laugh and just joking about and like really not taking his matches as seriously as yeah. he should. Like Arn being like, bro, get your shit together. And then you see like Scorpio, like like him just working out and just like just just working and working and working and working to that moment. And then he comes out and then right after a big moment from Cody retaining the title. He just said he he calls a shot like yeah. Clubber did when the statue was unveiled for Rocky. Yeah, it's 
let's do this. Like, come yeah. on. Yeah. Just so. don't kill. Just don't kill Arn Anderson like Mickey died. Just no. don't. No. Don't <laughs> let him get lightly tapped in the hallway on the staircase and then he have a heart attack and die. I think the best way to do this, and this is if you're they're not building to Cody and Cardona. I think the best way to do it, and this just how I would do it. I, twenty minute draw next week. It's the first match. It goes the full twenty. Scorpio challenges Cody to all out. all out, and Cody doesn't. Cody doesn't do the challenge until you know doesn't do the match until all out. And it's yeah. just like I think that's I think that's the best way to do it. It's only I think it would be hold on a second. So it's the twelfth. So it would only be really three shows without you know without him doing the challenge, and that's including and that's the week. fine. Use it for the build. Yeah, use it for the build of all out. And you know, Scorpio just points out I'm the best athlete. I am the best wrestler. I am the best person that you have faced. You're not ready for me, you know, and build it up. You didn't beat me. You survived me. That's how I would build it. But again, AEW has built such a... They're going to do something that I didn't just say, and it's going to be better than what I thought it was going to be. Yep. I, I just know it. I only thing I couldn't stand is Cody just beating Scorpio. Like, uh, I, I just think if you're really going with Scorpio, it's time to go with Scorpio. And like, and I'm not an impatient person. I am not. I, I, I like a long build. If they would have done three more dark matches before they finally had Scorpio do this, I wouldn't have had a problem with it. I, I love long builds. I love long stories. The long stories are the stories you remember 10 years from now. You know, the thing that comes in one week and goes away, you don't remember. But you remember those long, drawn-out stories. That's that, what that's what I think a teen, the TNT title needs. Like, just yeah, a, a yeah. drawn-out build. Yeah. yeah like a like, big build for a matchup. I, I, I will never forget the Yes movement. I'll never forget the Summer of Puck. Those long things that seem like it built forever, and then you got a satisfying conclusion. So, I'm not saying. But if you're going to put Scorpio in that match... He it's either has to be a win or a tie to me. That's a good thing that you don't forget the summer of punk because WWE very much forgot about the summer of punk as it was fucking happening. Dude, summer of punk. Because they added fucking Kevin Nash. I'm not gonna talk about this. No, let's say I'm just talking about the from the the pipe bomb to Money in the Bank when he won the title to SummerSlam when he retained. That was like the best push I've seen, like probably in my life. I mean, it was just such a good push, and it was so organic, and it was so much what the people wanted, and it was great. It didn't come off like like Goldberg. It was just like, I love Goldberg's push. I was a big Goldberg head when it came, but after like 25 and I was like, oh, he's going undefeated until he wins the world title, even though it was awesome still. Still have no problem with how they did it. It was awesome, but... It was just like, where do you go from here? Well, punk, it was just like this months and years of people like, dude, why isn't he the guy? And for him to cut that pro- promo, which is probably my favorite promo ever. That I'm, was, pretty that sure was, I, I'm pretty sure I know it word for word. Because yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm a, because <laughs> I'm a fucking Mark. Yes, like it was my favorite promo ever. So 
it's just it, it, it to me it's great it, it, it's just one of those things that's amazing and it's just like with scorpio five years from now i'm gonna remember scorpio was the first person to pin jericho then kind of got then lost the tag belts and was kind of relegated to dark and then one 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 and then when cody was coming out of the back after a tag match looked him in the eye tapped him on the belt said me and you that was awesome that was a good moment. That was a good moment. I, I, I don't think people are, give that moment the credit that it deserves. Yeah, for sure. Now, it's time for AEW Super Wednesday Debate 2020. And we had the special guest moderator for this. None other than Eric Bischoff. Back on TNT for the first time in almost 20 years. I'm back. It was funny. I posted, I'm like, he's back and better yep. than ever. And someone's like, well, that's a little far. It's like, I'm literally just quoting the lyrics to his song. I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, dude, it's like, calm like, down. I didn't, he catch didn't, a hint. Catch a hint. He didn't even do anything. How could he be better than that? As somebody who was very who was very fortunate enough to interview Eric Bischoff leading into the first Starcast when he had his panel with Bruce Pritchard and my co-host from my previous podcast Chad, he had the lovely lovely uh, opportunity to take a piss next to Eric Bischoff and. He was amazing. I, 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 he's told me this multiple times, and I haven't shared this with you, Floyd. But he was in the bathroom at Starcast, and he was right next to Eric. And Eric just looks over to Chad and goes, "I did your podcast, right?" And Chad's like, "Yes, sir. Yes, sir, you did." And he's like, "You're pissing next to the wrestling legend, kid." And Chad died. It was the funniest thing. But Bish, was, the Bischoff was one of my favorite parts of Starcast because there were some celebrities that literally tried to stay away or if you saw them they were walking really fast so you wouldn't bother them dude he'd be at the breakfast bar just at the table just eating by himself yeah. and he and you could come up to him and talk to him he didn't care Eric Bischoff I know people hate him but in person he's like the chillest dude ever He's very relaxed and like honestly, because like I was like when I inter- he was one of my biggest interviews I've ever had. I was shitting bricks because I was like, holy shit, I'm actually this is huge for me. Yeah. And like I, we, we did it over Skype and like I, he turned on his webcam and I just see him in his in his house and I'm just like, oh, my God, it kind of just hit me. And he's like, so are we doing this for a video? Or I was like, oh, no, it's just audio only, sir. It's it's no big deal. And he's like, okay, cool. He just kept on his webcam. And now I'm just, like, looking at him as I'm, like, because mine wasn't on. So I'm just looking at him as I'm just, like, trying not to freak out. Because I was like, oh, my God, I'm interviewing Bischoff. What is happening? And I was just so chill, so calm. Gave me a ton of his time, and he was super nice. Yeah, I was so excited to see Bischoff here, and just the whole significance of him being back on TNT was huge. And just this segment, super entertaining, super entertaining. And I was I was concerned that it would get a little bit like campy, but I I, I love this segment. I thought it was great. It honestly. was truly, and I am completely stealing this from the Voices of Wrestling TV review 
even though I, but I didn't put it in the words that he put it in. This was Orange Cassidy to everyone that hated his character. This was his star making performance. Yes. Now, if you liked his character before and got the stick and everything, this probably did not affect you. But if you are on, you're like, man, I don't, I don't get how they're gonna do this character on national TV. They showed you how they were going to do this character on national TV. Jericho was the catalyst to him getting more serious. And I guess you, you're going to break down exactly what was said. Yep. Okay. So pretty much the demo God, Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy have their debate and multiple questions that Bischoff asked towards Orange Cassidy. He does not respond. Jericho talks about how you take he takes nothing seriously. People laugh at him behind his back, and I do as well. Nothing more than a flash in the pan. Calls him the epitome of a, of every smart mark watching at home. Ignorant, lazy, and entitled, and overbearing. A pimple on the ass of pro of the pro wrestling business. And then just says next week he's gonna pop him, beat him again, and make him replace. His $7,000 designer jacket. And after Orange Cassidy had his lovely, lovely response to the uh, the global warming question that was asked of him by... Which I couldn't duplicate if I tried a thousand times. I tried to write it down word for word, dude. And I was like, I'm going to butcher this even if I read it uh, at uh, verbatim. So I was just like... Just I literally want to ask him, out of character, just... I don't know his real name. But how, many times, how many times? How many times did it take you to get this right? And did you get it right? Because I wouldn't have been able to tell you if he got it right or not. It's like I, I Honestly, literally, yeah. I just but, have, I have a hundred questions. Last question. Yeah. Yep. In the last question, where Bishop asks why this rematch means so much to them, Jericho starts to talk, but then Cassidy just says, "Shut up," and then that's when he cuts his promo. And I'll just read it verbatim because this is. Him legitimate. This is like it's like if he looked down the barrel of the camera and then was just staring at everybody who was just talking every amount of shit towards him, um, about his entire career and his character. This was his. This was his big moment to show you, like, oh, I'm way more than what you think I am, Chris. I know what you're doing. You scheduled a debate against a guy who doesn't talk. You're trying to embarrass me with all this, but I'm not embarrassed, Chris. I don't care about you. But I do care about next week. I care about that match. It's the biggest match in my life, but it's also the biggest match of your life, too. You're Chris Jericho, man. You've done it all. But what if Chris Jericho loses to the guy who puts his hands in his pockets and just takes off his glasses, tells him to look him in the eyes and look into the eyes of the man that's going to embarrass you and that's going to beat you? And then Bischoff just says, you've walked away with this debate and just like global warming thing got me. Jake Hager then just goes and just beats the shit out of Orange Cassidy, grabs him, throws him into the Judas effect, knocks him out cold, and then best friends run down to check on their friend. You, Great segment. Jericho can teach him a uh, teach uh, a class, many, many different classes, but he could teach a class on facial expressions selling what the person was saying like i'm watching this and i'm kind of looking at jericho and his stunned and change of expressions 
when Orange Cassidy is going out on him, going at him was like the most believable thing I've seen in a very long time. And it was like that was truly true. It, it just it drove home everything Orange Cassidy says. If Jericho sits there and he no sells it and he has a I don't give a crap look on his face. I don't think this promo has the effect that it does. It was that his look on his face was like shock and that this dude seems angry and I'm actually afraid because he's going to beat me up. He sold all of that just in his facial expression. I mean, if you don't like go back and watch it, watch how his face changes as Orange Cassidy talks. It sold everything Orange Cassidy said. Jericho, man, like, man, Tiffany tells me Jericho's the GOAT, and I'm just like, I might not call him the GOAT, but I'm not going to tell you anyone's better. Right? Honestly, I, like, I, can, I can think who my greatest wrestler of all time is, and I can think who my favorite wrestler of all time is, but if someone's going to tell me that Chris Jericho is their greatest of all time, I will not argue that at all. Right, yeah, I couldn't, you could say, name five people better than Chris Jericho. I, I can't. I really can't, honestly. Especially now. Like, nowadays, like, there's very, like, you almost can't. You really can't. But after this segment, we had a small little moment where Dr. Britt Baker was interviewed by Tony Schiavone. He, she then elaborates on who she wanted Big Swole to wrestle first before she got in the ring with Big Swole. And the opponent that she chose was Reba, who is so not happy about that decision. Big Swole then just comes down to the ring, like just stone look, stone look on her face, and then just kind of just goes after her. There's a point where Reba gets a little upper hand because of a distraction from Britt Baker, but she went for a moonsault uh, and missed, and. Then Big Swole just quickly hit the Dirty Dancing, and that was it. And Big Swole got the victory, so we will be seeing Dr. Britt Baker versus Big Swole. It was a it was a nice little moment. We kind of all saw Reba being announced as the one uh, to wrestle her before Britt Baker got in the ring with Big Swole. So, but, I saw this as a missed opportunity. Go ahead. To have somebody... Like Mel or someone come out. I mean, Blixol could have still won, but you're a genius, Dennis, and you pick the person that hasn't wrestled in a ring in like forever. Yeah, it just didn't seem like a very genius move. It was the friend card. It was the friend card. But I feel like this is leading to something else. I feel like Britt might have gotten cleared early. And I think like next week she's going to attack Swole. Honestly, because and, the the reason I say that is because I feel like if that wasn't the case, they wouldn't have gave us this so early. Because I feel yeah, like I this could have happened. Came out of, I thought it was just like <laughs> going to be announced, but then Swole came down. I'm like, I guess we're getting this. Yeah, it felt like this could have happened two weeks from now, and it still would have set up the match at all out, and it wouldn't have been that big a deal. The fact that it happened a full month, like literally a month. To the day, the fifth, you know, the fifth of August, it happened, and we already know Swole and Britt are wrestling. That there has to be something more building up to that match. 
Yeah, I mean, it seems like I, I totally understand where that thought is coming from, and we'll just have to see for next week if we see Britt Baker actually out of that wheelchair. Main event time, the AEW World Championship match between Darby Allen and John Moxley. Darby comes out with that Moxley face mask on his forehead, and then Moxley just rips that thing off as soon as he gets into the ring. Darby slaps him across the face, one punch to the face to Darby, and his mouth is already bleeding. But he smiles once he realizes that. I mean, these guys went after each other. It was... I I really, really like this match. There was a point where Wardlow came down, distracted the ref, and then MJF comes up, nails Moxley in the head with the title, and then Darby hit, didn't see what happened. He tries to hit the coffin drop. I nearly thought Darby was going to win. Like I was like, oh my god, is this actually going to happen? But did not end up happening. He go. He, there was a point where Darby goes for a second coffin drop, but then Mox turns it into a rear naked choke. And eventually, he just goes after the eyes and then just gets back up. Uh, he then gets hit with a pile driver, gotch-style pile driver. Darby kicks out of that, but then he's just like... He gets into the corner and he's just like, I got to do this. Just just signs the cross and then just puts the paradigm shift and hits Darby with it. And then right after he wins the match, he hugs Darby. And MGF is pissed that he didn't get the title off of Moxley. I, I thought this was a great main event. It was a great finish to the show, honestly. Very physical match. Uh, I think this match would have been right at home in like a New Japan ring. Because that's how physical and grimy it was. Um, I love the idea that, you know... MJF, like, you always wonder that, you know, why do you just accept that you're going to have to face the toughest guy? If you if you see an easier path to the title, why not not try to take it? And that's what he did, which I thought was genius, and I thought that worked perfectly in the storyline. And the big thing with Mox is he's really tough to beat. He's not unbeatable, but damn it, he's tough to beat. And you know what drives that home? The fact that he's pretty much taken everyone's finisher and kicked out of it. It's He's really, really tough to beat. So when MJF finally, finally, if he he's the one that pulls it off, he's going to have to hit this dude with a truck to keep him down for three. And that's awesome. Because yeah. if you keep that as Mox's character going forward, man, that's a hell of a character. Oh, yeah. Honestly. Overall... For this episode of Dynamite, I thought it was a very good episode. I don't know if it's anything like considered. It's definitely not the best, but I thought this was a very, very good episode of Dynamite. A lot above average for them. And I really, for for some of the moments that they created on this show, it st- this, this episode stood out to me a lot more than some of the other ones. And... I thought there was a lot of great things to pull from this episode, and it was just really, really good. I say this was a course correction after a bumpy last week. Uh, like I said, I was going to say, yep, yeah, this was a lot of there was a lot of different things that caused last week to be bumpy. So, but this was a course correction. Uh, the ratings corrected, like uh, hardcore nine hundred and one thousand. Uh, that's their largest audience since the debut. 
So I, if I'm not mistaken, this correct me if I'm wrong. Did they? I I heard that they beat Raw in the demo. They beat Raw in the demo. Like, like it's .29 to .283. It was very close, but this is the first time they beat Raw in the demo. Oh my. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it it was. You gotta call it a home run, and you gotta think. You know, Matt Cardona, a name people know. You know, Eric Bischoff, the rumors started coming out Friday. You know, so enough people probably got out there where it might have affected the rating. And, um, you know, and then a strong world title main event. You know, and then the other show's putting on a punter. You know? <laughs> oh, so I enjoy... <laughs> I enjoy Pat McAfee's show, but I mean, I, mean, I, I you know I, what? The, the you know segment what? on his show was cool. If, but if you know who no. Pat McAfee is, he was kind of the anti-punter. He was a real athlete that happened to be a punter. He like tackled people. You know, he could do fake punts. He was actually he actually played positions in college. He's just he was best at punting, right? You have to know sports to know that about him. As far as a layman is, isn't that the guy that used to punt, punt for the Colts? Mm-hmm. Or the guy who has a show on YouTube? Yeah, so I don't know. This is not an NXT show. Not here to bury NXT because that's not what we do. Because it's about AEW and why AEW is not so good, not why another show is bad. So this show, I give it, it's back to the A. It's back to feeling like it's the best show. It's back to building excitement to the next week. It hit hard. It was great. It set up some stories going forward. We are four weeks away. I think, yeah, so one, four episodes away from, you know, All Out. This is going to be amazing. They still haven't really even said where All Out's going to be yet, which is hilarious. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to all of that. I'm looking forward to what's going on. I'm I'm looking forward to what's going on going forward. I will say, please, please have Excalibur come back next week. Please. We need him. We very much need him. Now, we're going to get into the preview for next week's episode of AEW Dynamite. Before we do that, though, I want to remind you that this episode of All Things Elite is brought to you by Power Slam TV. Power Slam TV is where you get access to over 4,000 hours of content from over 110 of your favorite wrestling brands from countries all around the globe. And you get it right on your laptop and mobile devices. If you use that code Social Suplex, all one word, you get your first month completely free. Thank you so much to Power Slam TV for sponsoring us. Open yourself up to even more wrestling because we all have the free time now. Check it out. Thank you again to Social to Power Slam TV for sponsoring us. Now let's get into the preview for next week's episode of Dynamite, which is Tag Team Appreciation Night, hosted by FTR. And this has a lot, I think, to look forward to. You have the TNT Championship match between Cody and Scorpio Sky, like we've said. The $7,000 obligation match between Le Champion, Chris Jericho, and Orange Cassidy. We then have some big tag, te- uh, b- big tag team matches for Tag Team Appreciation Night. The Tag Team t- Champions, 
Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page will be defending their titles against Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus of Jurassic Express. And then we have the Young Bucks teaming once again to face Evil Uno and Stu Grayson of the Dark Order. Then we have the special appearances of legendary tag team, the Rock and Roll Express. They're back. We will also have Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson, who will also be making appearances. And that's all next week. So, Floyd, thoughts on what we're seeing next week? Obviously, let me, this is hosted by your boys. Let me tell you my biggest thought. That I'm very, very sad, almost to the point of tears, that I can't be at this show. I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say, you would, you would go no matter where this show was. I mean, you got FTR hosting. Arn and Tully and the Rock and Roll Express in building. Cody and Scorpio Sky for the TNT title. The Young Bucks versus the Dark Order. If anybody has saw, anybody has seen these two on the indies and the matches they put on ROH, understand. Yeah, back when they were, when they were uh, the, the, oh God, what was their team before? Oh, like the Smash Bros? Yeah, the Smash Bros. Back when they were them. You will understand how big of a treat you are in for next week. You you don't understand. I am like, like, I'm so excited. I'm going to have to quell my own expectations because it's like no way they can reach what I'm thinking is going to happen next week. Dude. see. Dude. Yeah, I'm like, my heart heart actually broke when I was like, I saw the list and Tony (laughs) Khan put out. And I was like, I, I, I can't go. I was like, dude, dude, I would empty the bank account to be at this show. Bro, just, <laughs> you got to call up Cody and be like, dude, I'll run camera. Just let me, like, I'll be tested over and over and over again. I'll do whatever is required of me. Just give me a mask and all the testing in the world. Please, I need to be there. If, if they told me to show up Saturday for the Wednesday show and get tested, I'd be there and I'd work from Jacksonville. I'd figure it out. This is going to be so good. It's going to be like, and, and you know it's going to set up FTR. They're the number one contenders this week. You know it's going to set them up challenging for the title. And hell yes for that. Hell yes for that. But that's going to do it for this episode of All Things Elite. We want to thank you guys so much for listening, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Google, or you're on Spotify. We want to thank you guys so much for supporting us. Again, please leave a rating and a review and let us know how we're doing and connect with us on social media. Let us know how we're doing. Give us a follow and share the podcast with your friends. We'd be super appreciative. And again, our podcast provide a red circle. If you are so inclined to and you're so, we'd be super appreciative. You can leave a donation through them and we'd be in your debt forever. Again, Follow us on social media at AT Elite Pod, at Social Suplex, at SZoomer4, and at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And there's nothing else we can do now but have our good friend Floyd taking us home for tonight. All right. I am just going to leave you with this reminder. There are other people on the other side of Twitter. When you add an account and say things and all that stuff, There's a real person on the other side of that Twitter with real feelings and real emotions and real everything that goes into that. I mean, I know it's social media and, you know, you're not face to face with people and, you know, you you get a little, you know, 
You get a little more confident. You get a little more swag. You know, don't get me wrong. You know, I use the word swag. I'm old. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> uh, but, you know, when I was young, when I was first getting social media and understanding how it worked, I sent out some stuff I shouldn't have. If you wanted to find it, oh, you could. And then I learned, and as I talked to people and got more friends, that there's just so much stuff on the other side of it, right? So, you know, there's a difference between criticizing and giving your opinions. I criticize AEW all the time. I give my opinions. I say things they should have done differently all the time. Because AEW is not perfect. There's nothing that's perfect, you know? There's no championship game at the end of the year like it is with professional teams. Like last year, the perfect football team was the Chiefs. The reason they were perfect, they won the Super Bowl. That's how it works. There's a, But there's nothing like that with wrestling. There's numbers and there's analytics and there's a lot of guessing and a lot of, you know, and they're educated guesses, but a lot of things that go into what wrestlers do. But on the other side of it, no matter what the ad is and what's after that name, there's genuinely a real person on that side. So what you want to do is try to act like you're talking to them face to face. What you say to them, would you say it to them directly or would you phrase it differently to come off as constructive and positive as of things they can change and move forward? Because that... My friends, when people always say, I wish the world would change and when they wish the world would be more positive, what you don't understand is it starts with you. If you're more positive and then the next person's more positive and the next person's more positive, we will get an overall more positive world. Now, will everybody be positive? No. But you can do your best to add to a positive light in a negative place at times. So just remember that I, I you know I'm not I'm not preaching to you. I'm just saying if you think about what you tweet and tweet it like you're talking to the person and saying it to their face, it will change how you communicate with people. So, I leave you with that and to say whether it's home, school or work, and I'm adding this week, or social media, always do your best to be elite.